0: I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn with me to Luke 17. The next several weeks I'll be doing some one-off messages and as you're turning, let me offer one more personal point. It's just a word of congratulations. Uh, Garrett Keith came to me. I told you he had gotten off deployment a few weeks ago. He came to my office. He set up an appointment with me a little over a week ago and uh, he asked me an important question as we were talking and uh, going to meet about taking the hand of my daughter in marriage. And so uh, I had my head of security, Ted, come in and, and we found an authentic body bag and he was holding that body bag. And I got a toe tag, and I said, spell your name for me, son. And so Garrett spelled his name out, and we put it on that toe tag. And then we had a serious conversation about how he could love God and love Holly, because Holly is a special, special young lady. And so a few days later, they went over to Gatlinburg, and he got down on one knee, and she said yes. So congratulations to the newly engaged couple here. And... Um, if any of you see them misbehaving, I'd like to be informed immediately, please. Uh, we're excited for them. They have a wedding planned in late March of 2027, and so we're, I mean, 2023, and uh, so, so we very, very much are excited to uh, have our family growing, and uh, so it's a blessing, okay? Um, all right, so uh, we're going to do some one off some different messages. This story has always really stuck out to me. And so I wanted to go back and spend some time unpacking it and learning and growing from it. You remember the three parables in Luke 15 of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And Jesus was saying to the religious folks, you're kind of like those Pharisees and Sadducees. You're not even happy. When someone gets saved, when the lost is found, when the dead are made alive, the, the Pharisees were sort of compared to the elder brother in the prodigal son story. And Jesus is trying to teach through that. And he's saying, boys, look, once you die, eternity is set. It is settled. He then gives the story of the rich man and Lazarus. He explains to them that once you've made your decision, if you reject me as your Messiah, if you reject me as the Son of God and God the Son, you will be forever separated from me. Trust me now while you can. He teaches many different things throughout this section of Scripture, but when we come to Luke 17, he says, okay... I need you to understand what I'm willing to do for you. And he gives this incredible story. It's not a parable. It's too explicit. It's too clear to be a parable. It's an actual account. And it happens in Jesus' travel to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, I want you to know what you've got in front of you. And I want you to be grateful for what you've got. See, we have a tendency in church. We have a tendency to plan and prepare and give and go and do something great. And God shows up. And God does what only he can do. And then we move right on to the next thing and say, okay, what's next? What's the next big thing? I am of a deep conviction that we've got to stop. We've got to say, God, thank you for what you have done. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you for the salvations. Thank you for the testimonies that have been pouring in. Thank you, God, for what you have done. And so I want us to slow down and demonstrate genuine gratitude and that's what we see by one in our story today. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. Luke 17 picking up with verse 11. Luke 17:11. Now it happened as he Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and then he entered a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said Jesus Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful story. An incredible account that not only could the religious folks of Jesus this day learn from, they had been given so much And yet they showed so little gratitude. Well, Father, we can learn too. We've been given so much. So let us always take the time to express our gratitude. We pray and pray and pray and we plan. We prepare our hearts and the logistics of a ministry. But as soon as it's over, it's as though we need to jump on the next big thing. But I want to be a church that not only soaks in your goodness, but demonstrates a heart of appreciation when you've shined your light so brightly upon us. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for the blessing that I've received as a volunteer, as someone who's just been blessed to serve. Thank you for the blessings that we received in the efforts to bless others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, guys, let me give you some stuff here. If you've got notes, I want you to jot these things down. Hopefully, God's going to teach us a lot of great things out of this text. Number one, I want to show you that genuine gratitude always acknowledges the source of cleansing. Genuine gratitude acknowledges the source of cleansing. Let me talk with you for a minute about leprosy. Hansen's disease, it may be called today. Leprosy was in many ways the aids of the ancient world, only much, much worse. Life was difficult with chronic and debilitating physical pain. There were no high powered uh, painkillers like we have today and leprosy often had a crippling effect on the body. Scales, then nodules, would form on the skin. Folds of skin may develop. Skin sores would ooze secretions. And as the disease continued, extreme disfigurement often developed, even with the possibility of people's extremities falling off. A person in the advanced stages of leprosy was not easy to look at. Dr. Paul Brand of Carville, Louisiana, one of the world's foremost experts on the disease, describes how leprosy patients lose their fingers and toes to the disease Not because it causes decay, but precisely because they lack pain sensations. Nothing warns them that the water is too hot or the hammer handle is splintered. Accidental self abuse destroys their bodies. See, the disease of leprosy was painful, but I believe the physical pain was probably not the most horrible part of the disorder. Lepers were separated, they were separated from their families. No, long knows how, no one knows how long it's been since they've had the touch of their wife, the kiss of their children. They were separated from friends, separated from their homes, separated from everyone and everything they love, even separated from the corporate worship of God. Can you imagine the pain of going untouched by human hands day after day and month after month and year after year, never feeling the warmth of another, never the embrace of the ones you love? So I've written a point here that I really want you to see. Leprosy separates and so does sin. Jesus was trying to teach something here to those listening that's bigger than the issue of leprosy. He's teaching about separation. Leprosy separates and so does sin. Listen to Leviticus 13. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare. He shall cover his mustache and he shall cry unclean, unclean and he shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he'll be unclean. He is unclean, and he will dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Think about what we're reading in 11 and 12, that when Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee and entered a certain village, and there he met 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, now, look, don't just read past that. There's an important truth in that verse. When, when the, the writer Luke says Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he wants us to know that he's on his way to the cross. He's going between the borders of Samaria and Galilee. It's actually the second time in the book of Luke that lepers are healed. Luke 5 talks about a, an opportunity like this. Or in the former case, Jesus instructed those to show the lepers to show themselves to the priests. On the way, they were cleansed. They were healed of the disease, and then they were made ceremonially clean. Here, what does Jesus do? 13 and 14, they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. He didn't immediately touch them, heal them, restore them. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. You see, what I got from that is this, prayer, because that's what they were doing, they were praying. You're talking to God. When you talk to Jesus, you talk to God. They're talking to God in flesh. They're saying, Lord, master, have mercy on us, but prayer without obedience is pointless. Jesus tells them, go to the priest. Now would you speculate with me for a moment? What would have happened if they said, no. We want to be healed now, Jesus. Do it for us right now in this moment. What if they had said, well, Jesus, we can't go to the priest. The priest won't see us. We're unclean. We're to be kept out of the city. We can't go there to the religious elites. What if they had made excuses? What if they had told Jesus all the reasons they couldn't go? I think they would have missed their healing. But here was in the going, in the obedience that the prayer was answered. You see, the priest... Had no power to cure anything, but the priest was given authority to declare one who was clean as cured. The priests were given that level of authority. He could issue a certificate of cleanliness so he could go back to his hometown, go back to his village, go back to his family, go back to his job, go back even to worship. When were the lepers healed? Not immediately, but as they went. Healing came through obedience. The Bible says in verse 14, they were catharizo, cleansed, catharizo. When you hear that, you could think maybe of the word catheter. Catheter removes something. It will remove, for instance, an impurity. They were uh, catharizo. The, The impurity, the impurity, the stain of leprosy was taken away from them. And now look at 15. Really, this is the key here of the whole thing. It is the pivot point. It says that they were cleansed and one of them, When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, he glorified God. See, when you glorify Jesus, you glorify God. When you're looking to Jesus and praising him, you are glorifying the second person of the triune Godhead. And here is the point. All prayed, all were healed, but only one of the ten demonstrated genuine gratitude. Where were the other nine? Well, I'll go later and show my gratitude. Well, God already knows that I'm grateful. Well, all that matters is we're healed. Are we really healed? Do you think this is going to last? Oh, man, I just forgot. I got busy. I had to go home. I've got places to go and people to see. I've got family to love and a job to do. I've got so much happening. So many potential excuses. I'm sure all 10 wanted to run back to their towns or cities and hug their loved ones. I'm sure they were all eager to let everybody know they're no longer outcast. I no longer have to cry unclean, but only one acknowledged his source of cleansing. We'll come back to that in more detail in a moment. But one, when he saw he was healed, turned back. All had a reason to praise. One did. He saw the difference Jesus made. He saw the change wrought by Christ. He had an opportunity to praise the God who recreated him. See, I've I've said it like this, many folks see their need to pray, but don't always see their need to praise. A lot of times we'll say, oh God, thank you, please help me, help me, help me. I need you, I need you, and God shows up, and God does the impossible, and we're like, okay, off to the next thing. One of the hardest things for me to do in these 24 years of ministry is keep my heart from becoming hardened and cynical. I'm going to be very honest with you here. I'm going to be very transparent. I didn't even share this in the first hour, but the Lord impressed something upon me that I probably should have said then as well. It's been very, very difficult for me at times to look at people who get needs met, who get filled and get all that they need, and they get all about God until they get what they want, and then they go. It's very difficult to not become cynical very difficult not to become hard to those who just use the church and use the blessings of God's people. But I have to always come back to this truth. I don't really know their heart. I don't really know their situation. I don't really know how deep their valley is. And maybe if one in 10, if one in a hundred, if one in a thousand is genuine and turns around and trusts Jesus and goes from hell to heaven, maybe then I should remember that God only knows. And I'm called to serve and leave the results to him. I don't have to figure out who's genuine and who's sincere. I have to love them, I have to give them the truth, and I have to leave the results to God because he's the only one that can truly save. And so it helps me to remember that if they were to keep walking away from Jesus, why would I think anyone would ever turn back and thank me? And I don't deserve it anyway. You see, one turned back. Maybe As they were walking to the priest, they began to notice their skin losing that scaly white appearance. I don't know. Maybe they passed by some folks and they thought they would scream and run to the other side of the road. I don't know. But the other people's screams never came. I don't know how they came to the conclusion they were healed, but at least one man, when he realized it, stopped going in his direction, made a 180, turned back to Jesus, fell down and praised God. They all had a reason to praise, but only one did. And just like I told him yesterday at Fulton, you may not be facing the horrible disease of leprosy this morning, but you are still in desperate need of cleansing from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that all of us have sinned and we're separated from God by our sin, and unless you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you might as well be walking around today crying, unclean, unclean. Don't get close, I'm separated from my creator. We've all been infected. And so I've got some questions for you, you ready? Some questions. I didn't write them. I didn't come up with them. They were written by a Presbyterian minister, a composer of over 2,000 precious hymns. These questions he penned in 1878, but they have eternal consequence. And although these questions are nearly 150 years old, I think they still matter. Are you ready for the questions? Here they are Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have anybody ever heard those questions before? If you know the next part then, how about going at it with me? You ready? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Yeah, a lot of y'all know that. He went on to ask, his name is Elisha Hoffman. This Presbyterian minister said, are you walking daily? by the Savior's side. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now the language is dated, but the question is pertinent for the moment. When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Has the blood been applied? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready For the mansion's bride, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now come on church, y'all can do it better this time. You ready? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless, are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? What's your answer? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb or not? You see, I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, and folks, I am not afraid to stand up here just like yesterday or out on that street corner or wherever God gives me an opportunity to say, Jesus Christ has changed my life. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good enough, smart enough, or look good enough, though I do look good, don't I, mama? Look, I'm going to heaven because Jesus Christ cleansed me. He took all my sin, past, present, future. He washed it by his blood, not even the waters of baptism, but by his blood, it was demonstrated through the baptistry, but I know that I know that I know that I am born again. I am cleansed. And you say, well, I've been saved for decades, man. So have I coming up on 40 years. I met Jesus a long time ago, but I ain't got over it. And I need to tell somebody, Jesus changed my life. And I want him to know I'm grateful. I want him to know I thank him And I want other people to know they can be grateful. Man, there was a gal yesterday, she just, I told you she just couldn't stop praising the Lord. I want to see our church be like that. I cannot stop thanking you. I cannot stop praising you because genuine gratitude acknowledges the source of cleansing. Now watch, genuine gratitude glorifies God with boldness and humility and humility. There's got to be a balance between the two. One of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. See, what we're going to see here in the text is that boldness and humility are not opposites. I didn't say arrogance and humility. I said courage, boldness, and humility. Hebrews four sixteen says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 13, y'all know this verse. It says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, saith the Lord. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And so this one guy comes back and with a megadoxous, megas, uh, big, grand, like a megaphone, big sound, doxus uh, doxology, praise. With great loud praise, he worships God, God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because A, genuine gratitude is not ashamed genuine gratitude is not ashamed what does romans 116 say for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god unto salvation for all who believe the jew first and also the greek or the non jew so i'm not ashamed of the gospel christians If we cannot say amen in here, how are we ever going to praise the Lord with any noticeable volume out there? Now let's get real with each other for a minute. Now look at me. Some of y'all were screaming at your television sets last night, were you not? Some of y'all were saying, what happened to the defense? They left the defense in Knoxville. What's going on with my team? It's the orange helmets. It's gotta be the orange helmets. I know what y'all was saying. I was mad too, man. Georgia Tech beat my Tar Heels. They didn't have a right to beat my Tar Heels, but we didn't get whooped as bad as the Vols got whooped last night. And some of y'all were acting all crazy and all out of sorts and you were doing all of this and said, I just can't believe it. What's wrong? They got to get rid of this one and number five, I'm gonna kill number five. And y'all were thinking all these bad things and you get all worked up and all emotional and you come in church and I just told you 42 people got saved and baptized in two days. And y'all go, oh, that's wonderful. Man, somebody got to give a shout of hallelujah in here and glory to God and praise you, Lord. Man, I'd give anything to be able to whistle like you just did. I want to learn how to do that because I'd be hooping and hollering all the time. But I know we're good Baptists and good Baptists are quiet. man, I've been cleansed, I've been healed, I've been restored, I have new relationships, a new home, a new life, heaven waiting for me. And if we can't say amen about Jesus saving folks and cleansing folks and making them new in him, we can't get happy about anything. And with the same loudness and intensity with which he cried for mercy, Lord, have mercy on me, he cried in praise. Are our cries of praise just as loud and passionate as our cries for help? I think that's a valid question today. Are we praising God as much as we're asking God for help? Because guys, I'm about to tell you, heaven's not gonna sound like a funeral parlor. (laughs) Man, if you can't stand the noise, you're not ready. He said, nah, there's no way. Well, Revelation 5, 11 and 12 says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne of God, the living creatures, the elders. The number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. And they were saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength and honor, glory and blessing. John said, when God showed me heaven, it was loud. Revelation 7, after these things I looked, behold, a great multitude which no one could number. This is what I saw yesterday. This is the beauty that these eyes beheld. All the nations, tribes, people, tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The very end of the Psalms, the hymn book, the Psalter, we say, praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let the loud symbols crash and let Everybody say hallelujah. That means praise the Lord. This is what the scripture says. But too often we have confused reverence with silence. There is a time to be still and know that he is God. There is a time to quietly meditate and say, "Oh God, I need the still small voice to speak. I'll be honest with you, my Baptist brethren, we are not really in any danger of getting too loud around here. Y'all don't think I know what loud is? I told y'all, my whole mama's side of the family is Pentecostal holiness. That's why I told you when you called me, I'm a Baptocostal. If you don't like it, build a bridge and get over it, man. You can find plenty of dead places out there to go and think you're worshiping. I'm telling you, that we can show some joy when God shows up and does what only God can do. We can get happy when the Lord is moving and we can couple that with a deep sense of humility. God, we could never have done this on our own. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. I love what the Maasai tribe do. The Maasai tribe in Africa have an unusual way of saying thank you. Translators tell us that the Maasai say thank you like this. My head is in the dirt. That is their phrase for thank you. My head is in the dirt. I believe that they understand genuine gratitude at its core. Genuine gratitude is an act of humility. It is laying anything good that comes here right down at the feet of the Lord Jesus saying, God, you did it. Just like Jesus took the fish and the loaves and multiplied, using your people, you took the green beans and the corn and the corn bread and this mix and that gravy and all of those big giant juicy turkeys and you multiplied what not one of us could do by himself, but you multiplied it through the hands of Jesus. But what about the other nine? What about these boys that kept walking? I have no doubt they were declared clean by the priest. Jesus said it. That settles it. Did they just make their way to their family and friends? Did they hug their wives, kiss their children? Did they visit with mom and dad? Did they talk with their coworkers? They were all occupied on the blessing, but one. But one loved his wife and children just as much. One wanted to hug and kiss his family just as much. One wanted to to spend time with his friends just as much. But his priorities were right. He didn't get so wrapped up in the blessing that he forgot the blesser. He put family and friends and fellowship on hold just briefly to make sure the Lord knew how he felt. Who was this one? What a shocker. See, in the context of Jesus teaching the religious elitists that they needed to get over themselves, he would use these shocking stories like he did in Luke chapter 10 when he said that this guy, this priest passed by the injured one on the way, and this Levite passed by this injured one on the way, but there was one good one, and he was a Samaritan. And there was one of 10 here indicating by way of silence, in fact, I believe that the other nine were likely Jews. But this one, this half-breed, this despised one, this outcast one, he was a Samaritan. The Jews and Samaritans hated one another. Samaritans were considered pagan half-breeds, and Jews would go to great lengths to bypass Samaria on a journey. They had common roots in their heritage, but preferred to think that they had nothing in common. They had one common affliction, though. All ten had leprosy. But I think Jesus maybe was saying a repeat of John 1, 11, he came into his own, but his own received him not. The Jews, they just said, hey, I appreciate the cleansing, bud. They didn't even do that. They just kept walking. And they probably did get a temporary physical cleansing. But death was still coming for all 10 You know, what's very interesting is there's an inscription on a block in the wall of the temple of Jerusalem that says, let no foreigner enter within this screen and enclosure surrounding the sanctuary. Jesus uses the exact same word foreigner in verse 18. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? This gives great insight to the overwhelming gratitude of the Samaritan. He took Jesus at his word and began a journey to the priest, a journey he could have never actually finished. Do you catch this? In his mind, he must be thinking, no, 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 no. I know I'm with these Jews because we got leprosy, but I can't go to the priest. They won't allow me to get close to the priest. What am I going to do? He could have had all of these what ifs, but he just started walking in faith. And when he, like the others, was completely restored and healed, he and he alone turned around. He repented, if you will. He did a 180. He went back. He loudly praised God. Then he fell at his feet to show him that he humbly acknowledged what had happened to him. Don't miss this. Jesus would now give him even more. I wrote this little phrase, and as soon as I wrote it, I thought, I feel the same way. I was writing it in the context of the text, but I thought as a father, I feel the same way. I wrote it like this, expressed appreciation leads to expanded blessings. Miss Lucy is almost three. (laughs) You heard your name, didn't you? And when Miss Lucy tells her, Gpa, thank you, thank you for that, Gpa, you know what Gpa wants to do? Here, baby, you can just have it all. It's all yours. You just take it. When she says to me, Gpa, thank you, I know she's learning. When my children express their appreciation, I can promise you their blessings are expanded. Don't you feel that way? Don't you feel that when someone is truly grateful, you want to bless them? You want to go above and beyond? I want my children and my grandchildren to understand the importance of appreciation. The more thankful one is, the more I desire to give. Now, how in the world do you think our Heavenly Father feels? Guys, don't miss this. They all received physical healing from a distance. But when the one turned back and said, thank you, I genuinely, truly thank you, he got more than what he bargained for. Because the language shifts. God in his mercy gave physical healing to those far away, but spiritual healing only comes when we fall before the feet of Jesus and worship him as our personal Lord and Savior. Jesus makes a declaration in verse 19 and uses different words. He says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It does not say katharizo again. It doesn't say you've been cleansed. No, 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 now it says sozo, your faith. Listen to me, this is the language of the original. Your faith has saved you. You are now born again. I gave you a temporal physical healing, but because you came back and you came to God and you got close to me and you acknowledged me, I'm giving you something now that will last forever. And I say how tragic it is for people to exercise temporary faith in God. And maybe God does choose to heal them physically, but they die and they're forever separated from the Lord because they never receive spiritual healing. That's why this weekend was so important. Friends, not only did we give them a great meal, they're going to be able to share with their families. They're going to be able to have their heads held high. They're going to be warm. They're going to be filled. But for many, they also got close to Jesus. For many, they changed eternal destinations on the path toward hell, on the path toward darkness, on the path toward death. God came in and because of you guys and your generosity, God snatched them out of the flames and they're on the path toward heaven. And the path toward light and the path toward life because you were faithful and our God is faithful. Isn't that good news today, guys? It's great news. It's great news. Genuine gratitude acknowledges the source of cleansing. Your goodness doesn't get you into heaven and your badness doesn't keep you out. You're either washed by the blood of the lamb, it has been applied to you by faith, or you are still in your sins robed in your own righteousness, the Bible calls that filthy rags, or robed in the righteousness of Christ. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Which is it? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Genuine gratitude glorifies God with boldness and humility. I'm gonna close with a little short story. It's a fanciful story, but it makes the point. There's the story of a day when the sun did not rise. Six a.m. came and there was no sign of dawn. At seven o'clock, no ray of light. At noon, it was as black as midnight. No birds sang and only the hoot of an owl broke the silence. Then came the long black hours of the afternoon. Finally, evening arrived, but no one around the world slept that night. Many wept. Some wrung their hands in anguish and most felt the end was surely near. Every church across all the land was filled with people on their knees where they stayed and they prayed the whole night through. The entire world had truly been engulfed in darkness. After that long day and night of terror and agony, billions of tear-streaked, eager faces turned toward the east. And when the sky began to grow red and the sun finally rose, there were loud shouts of joy. Why? Simply because the sun had risen after one day of darkness. Billions of lips cried out, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. The very consistency of God's blessings sometimes seems to dull our gratitude. Many of you woke up today. You may have whispered a a quick and a sweet prayer. God, thank you for a new day. Oh, Lord, thank you. But did you really think you opened your eyes and you could see because God gave you that gift? You put your foot on the floor and you walk because God gave you that gift. You might have hugged your wife, husband, kids, maybe even grandkids because God gave you that gift. You came to this church in this beautiful country because God gave you that gift. Our blessings are innumerable. The old hymn said, count your blessings. Name them one by one. You ain't got time because you'd be counting forever but count your many blessings to see what God has done. We often don't have true acknowledgement and gratitude until something is gone. Oh, if I could just see them again. If I could just hug them again. If I could just talk to them again. If I could just show them again that I really do love them. And so I want to give you a call. A call to gratitude. Melissa comes and joins me on the platform to play this closing hymn, I want to give you a call. Grace family, may we never take God's goodness and mercy for granted. I'm asking you to join me this Thanksgiving and every other day of the year and let us boldly and humbly offer Christ genuine gratitude. And if there's someone you have issue with, you leave your gift and you be reconciled. And this Thanksgiving sitting around the table, you make sure that gratitude to your maker is on your lips. Gratitude to the one who gave you that delicious meal. Gratitude for the gift of family, the gift of friends. Gratitude for your church home and what God is doing here and through this body of believers. Gratitude for life and eternity. Don't have a grinchy spirit, have a grateful heart. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you would like to express gratitude to God for the salvation of many this weekend, and I know that there were others that prayed to receive Christ. I was given testimony of quite a few in the lines and others that I know that we had more folks saved, but at least 39 were baptized and publicly professed faith. And then we had these this morning, first and second service. And so if you are so inclined, I would love to have you come. And like this man bowed before the Lord, I'd love to have you spread across this altar. And as a church family, we've prayed, God bless this event. God, bring in the money, bring in the food, bring in the the volunteers, help us, help us, help us. And he's answered at every turn. He's given us more than we asked for. The greatest crowds that we've ever seen, big response. But even if one, just one were saved, all is worth it. So I'm going to ask you to join with me in just taking a few minutes to say, God, thank you. Thank you for showing up and showing out. And as you gather with friends and family this week, I pray that you'll keep that heart of gratitude going, not just one day, but every day. So if you're inclined, as I pray, the altar opens. Please join me. Let's thank God for what he did this week here. Thank you so much for watching us today.